You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Alright guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Blake Bubble, with me as always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. We're back here to look back at what is, uh, you know, considered at this point, Dylan, you know, I know we like to overreact, and that's kind of, you know, what we do in this era, but um, I don't think it's too much of an overreaction to talk about uh, the divisional round in a historic context, um, just based on... Those four games that took place uh, this weekend, and yeah, I mean, all decided by six points or less. One of those, that six-point game, decided on a you know a last play in overtime, and pretty wild, man. This was uh, look, we knew we, we said going in, we're like, hey, you probably couldn't ask for a much better lineup than these four games, just based on you know in the AFC you had all your divisional winners. We talked about um, you know the Niners being that team that may be able to make that run. Now, looking back, I wish I would have went with that and just stayed with it and said, all right, I picked them to beat the Cowboys. I'm going to pick them to beat the Packers, too. But, man, it was just uh, it was just one game after another. Yeah, and almost every single instance, either team could have won, uh, partially because of the Rams' own doing for their own, uh, for letting the Bucks back into that one. But in every other case, really, both teams had opportunities, um, like you're mentioning. I, I, at least in terms of my lifetime, I can't speak for any playoffs that I've watched, uh, you know, beforehand, but, you know, I've watched some old playoff games and that kind of stuff, but never like experienced a full weekend. Definitely in my lifetime, the most exciting divisional round weekend. Um, you know, I think of the Sunday with the two overtime games, Rams, Saints, Chiefs, Patriots, a few years ago in the championship round that was pretty nuts. Both, again, both games going to overtime, having really dramatic finishes that, in terms of the drama and feeling like all four teams in that on that day could win the Super Bowl, it definitely felt like that. And this weekend, it, it didn't feel that different. Even if uh, a couple teams that finished off the weekend felt like they were on a different level just because of the quarterbacks, but it was all so much fun. Yeah, the 15 points uh, combined uh, uh, margin of victory, the lowest amount for any weekend with four uh, games uh, either round. Also, the most. Um, I think it was a stat exactly. It's the most uh, walk-offs in an entire postseason already achieved just by this weekend alone. No postseason ever had four game-winning like plays at the end of regulation slash in overtime um, and four separate games, and it all happened in one weekend. I, I mean, that shows you how nutty it was. And um, just so many so many great plays, so many mistakes, so many coaching, uh, huge mess-ups, you know, amazing on-field adjustments things that could have gone differently. Yeah, I mean, the amount of things that we can talk about with these games, and I'm sure the four fan bases that fell down don't have too much interest today uh, to look back at that. They might need a few days to get a beat and then start looking ahead to the to the offseason. But for now, yeah, if you're a fan of these four teams or even if you're just a fan of the league in general, I mean, couldn't be asking for much more, and it should be a really exciting uh, championship weekend coming up. Well, let's start with the only one that we got right. and uh, Well, the only one I got right. I'm sorry, Dylan, but... Yeah. Um, our listeners know you 
you swung and missed on all four this week. But like we said, I'm not, I went one and three. You went zero oh and four. Uh, I think a lot of people would have been in that yeah. same category. Um, I mean, really, I I thought we had a pretty good chance to go three and. I mean, I don't know. I thought we had a pretty good chance to go three and one. I think the Bucks Rams game was. I, I never sensed the Bucks were going to win. Even even in the comeback, I just thought the Rams were way better. We'll get that in a second. But um, this is the one we we differed on, and that was the Bengals and the Titans. I told you, I've seen this story before, and to be completely honest with you, it played out just as the others did. Um, like the same type scenario where Titans had every chance to win this game, but they just could not. They came out flat. They just did. You could tell from the beginning of this game that they just were not. I don't know. Like they just were not there. All I mean, in terms of just being able to, to match what they've done to this point this season, and. Like, they just didn't have that edge. Um, you know, you have Derrick Henry back, but I just thought from the start, the Bengals, um, you know, were, were in a pretty good spot, and they went at 19-16. to 16. Uh, I know all the talk, and rightfully so, is going to be on – I just – I thought the Titans played not to lose. Uh, yeah. You can't do that in this round. As we, anywhere, anytime in the playoffs in the NFL. It's just – it's so hard to do when you've got the Bengals on the other side. I thought there were just a lot of – a lot of mistakes on the Titans. The, the one thing that stood out to me, I don't remember the exact time, but when the Titans had the ball on that last possession, and it's almost as though they were just taking as much time as possible, and I couldn't figure that part out. Now, I realize that Ryan Tannehill had already thrown two interceptions, <laughs> but it's almost like if, if you're going to do that, like I just don't understand why you don't, when you have the ball right away, like, just oh yeah, it's like a fifteen yard pass, twenty yard pass, whatever it was, just to even get close to making that next little five to ten yard play that puts you in field goal range. But like you could just sort of tell. Like they were playing for overtime, it seemed like with two and a half minutes left. Yeah. And yeah. I just thought it was just a really I don't know. I, I just did not agree with that at all. Yeah, the play calling in general for the Titans, it, it really felt like they were trying to get Derrick Henry up to speed. Uh, don't know if that was the best idea. Derek had a couple good runs, but overall, I mean, he only had four rushes, but Deonta Foreman looked pretty explosive. And you felt like just the, the and, I, you know, I do understand not letting <laughs> Ryan Tannehill have too many bites at the apple and having him throw too many times, but it just felt like there was a little force with the play calling. That leads to them going, I think, one for eight on third down. Uh, obviously, the one fourth down, uh, a lot made of the play call and Derek Henry, how far back he was set on that running play and how easy oh you know, that's the predictable I forgot it was. About. yeah it was the why do you run the 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 option i guess on third down yeah and then then they know you're going to get it give it to henry on fourth down so why not do it the other way like it's just that made no sense and you watch that that third down play where where Tannehill keeps in it looks like if he hands it off it's going to be an easy first down too for yeah for Derek even if he only gets a yard they i mean they they had a kind of a bad spot on the first down play and they should have been probably like second and two or three instead it was second and four so there's a few things in that on that drive that just you know they're still in short distance at that point almost in field goal range you're so close and it's like man like you have this opportunity right in front of you your defense has put you in such a good spot and they just got so conservative and you saw it even like you're mentioning on the last drive they uh after they do get the the first first down uh down from their own 19 i think to the 35 um yard line or so uh they run the ball and it's like i i they do have two timeouts and i get like okay like 
maybe you know if we do get down there we can use our timeouts we don't need that much time so if we if we don't get there we'll punt there's no time for joe burrow not that it really would matter at that point i'd take if i'm the titans i would have taken my defense out yeah. there with a minute left and possibly getting a sack fumble or something crazy happening i, I yeah it just all felt kind of forced and they had found this rhythm not to take away obviously getting back there Kenry you want them to be a part of your offense but they'd seemed in the last few games of the season to really find themselves as a play calling wise and just was not there for large portions of this game and it allowed a Bengals team that you know even though Joe Burrow ended up with 300 some odd yards made some really good throws for most of the day he didn't have the the, the answers and it's not just his fault obviously his, his offensive line was getting just destroyed and then even when at that point even for a guy like Joe Burrow that's so mentally tough it's going to be hard to take the quick throws when they even are there because you're so worried about who's going to be hitting you from behind it's just natural so I mean for the defensive performance the Titans put on if that was the formula to win this game and to hold the Bengals to a bunch of field goals uh, they, they get the one touchdown there in the third quarter. But other than that, I thought the Titans defense showed up in a big way and, and made some big plays. Obviously, you have the the first interception, but I think the maybe the biggest play of the game, that the turning point was, is that tur- uh, pick where Mike Hilton makes the, the jumping kind of play where he they kind of predicted yeah. with the corner blitz that there was going to be a, maybe a possible screen or they just got a little lucky with the corner blitz at that same time. But, I mean, there's just those plays where I can't oh, – man, I, I know you would – have a better sense of the the fan base there in Nashville, but uh, I can't. I would be so sick to my stomach thinking back. Like, yes, they have Joe Burrow. Yes, there's a chance you're going to lose this game. But with how it all played out, your defense put on a performance. You should have been able to put up enough points against a solid Cincinnati defense, but not one that uh, you you shouldn't have come up away with more than 16 against. It just does. It's going to be a bitter, bitter taste for them after a pretty remarkable season getting that one seed and trying to prove everyone wrong when they're talking about the DVOA numbers and all the things about them being one of the worst number one seeds of all time yeah titans just need to stop playing for the one it just doesn't work um there's no point just play for the two or three at this point it's just not it's not a good combination but i mean i i just thought on that last drive like you mentioned they're at the 35 it's not like you're at the 15 you're at the 35 with what like two minutes left and then you're just like mm, well we'll play for we'll play for the, the overtime like i'm just thinking you're the number one seed all you got to do is get about, you know, 20, 25 yards, yep. and you're at least going to have an opportunity to win the game. And then, you you know, you get that first down, and you're like, all right, let's just run it. I just oh, – I thought the whole thing was backwards. <laughs> it just made no sense. And, I, again, how, how you are not able to win a game when you sack the opposing quarterback nine times and you slow down this offense the way that they were able to slow it down, mm-hmm. I just don't know. It's just – yeah, there's no doubt. Like, frustration doesn't even begin. To, because, like, when – when Ryan Tannehill makes that pass to A.J. Brown, which, by the way, we can – I know Tannehill's going to take the, the brunt of the blame here, but that pass to A.J. Brown was as perfect as it gets um, oh, the on the one-handed down. catch he makes. Yeah. Just remarkable play. Um, but I just – yeah, th- that to me is like – that is calling the game not to lose, and that is calling the game basically saying we don't trust our quarterback. And if you're the number one seed and you're in that scenario, um, quite frankly – I don't know. Like, if they didn't lose this one, they're probably going to lose the next one because it's like clearly their confidence level was not very high in what they could do in this game, um, especially the, the way it had played out to that point. So that's very frustrating. Another thing I wanted to bring up, I'm sure I'll, you know you saw it, like Pene Sewell's trending on Twitter, uh, and everybody's – I think the, the conversation was around how the Bengals should have drafted him instead of Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what those people have been watching this year, but, yes, 
they need offensive line help. But uh, by the way, I don't think the Bengals are in this position unless Jamar Chase is on the field. So um, I would maybe not go too far with that conversation just yet. No, Jamar Chase had, I mean, basically they had, the Bengals at that point hadn't really done much on offense. They get that little, just give it out to Jamar, see what happens. He gets immediately like 45, 50 yards, whatever it was. Could have almost broken it for a touchdown. His explosiveness, obviously the last uh, play and how he's able to shake his defender to get open. And so, yeah, he's a ridiculous player. One lineman's not going to fix um, the whole line. Uh, he can't block everyone. They, they, it's definitely going to yeah. be an effort. And I, I, you know, they're in a place right now where they're going to be able to to make those additions, whether it be in the draft or in free agency. And uh, you got to hit on those guys and develop those guys. But I think there's probably a lot of linemen that would look at uh, you know opportunities across the board. And maybe Cincinnati didn't used to be a a destination but with joe burrow and those weapons uh they might have an easier time getting a couple guys veteran solid players maybe the you know the equivalent of the Rams signing an andrew whitworth away from the bengals um something where they can find some talent because uh, once they get that oh that offense is gonna be really scary yeah is for sure they're um there's something else so well the bengals marching on and uh we'll discuss um their opponent here in a second and what should uh be quite a game uh, for the AFC Championship. All right. Another home team as the number one seed. Blows a game here. And uh, um, that's what happened with the Packers, who I thought were really just in control of this game for, for uh, the majority of the way. But there came that point where you're like, all right, the Packers only have seven points. And it's like, if they don't hurry up and score another touchdown, like they're going to give the Niners a chance to hang around in this thing. And that's exactly what they did going to the fourth quarter. Of course, it was seven to three. Going into the fourth, um, I tell you, that's when I just got the sense that, man, the Packers have let this team hang around too long. We talked about it with a team that has that kind of momentum, um, and the Niners had not even been close to playing their best game, but yet they were right there with a chance going into the fourth quarter, and, well, they took advantage of it, and Dylan, you called this 100%. You pointed out, if there's one thing for the Packers that's going to hold them back, Boom. Special teams, and there there it was on display. Um, that cost them the game. And, look, the, the offense just could not crack the code against the Niners, and, and that's what we've always talked about with this Niners defense. And, um, yeah, this is – I mean, there's no way to play. Like, Titans disappointed, Packers disappointed too because they had their chances uh, to, to really, you know, even – and I think it was – I assume it was Aikman that brought it up, but it's like – if this becomes a two-score game, you have no confidence in the Niners probably rallying from a, a double-digit deficit, right? Just based on how they had played offense in this game. I had no confidence that if this gets to double digits that they're going to have a chance to come back. Never got there. And, again, the, the big special teams play – and the Niners win it. Yeah, it's crazy. They don't score any points with their offense and end up actually winning the game. Yeah. Get two field goals in the in the block punt. And yeah, the thing is, the Niners special teams. Uh, they talked about it a bit on the broadcast, but they hadn't been you know fantastic by any means all season. But they've been yeah. improving over the course of over the year and yeah they still weren't as bad uh, dvoa wise uh, just any traditional ranking wise compared to the packers and man it you know you follow the packers all season as as most fans of the league in general do given that you know they have aaron Rodgers are going to always be a championship contender uh over the however many years now uh but you don't realize how bad it is i mean you you see all the missed field goals and those kind of things but man their kick game it, it, you start looking closer and then especially for last week when you're like kind of looking into these matchups more it was like geez how how is this such a big problem and the fact that i mean they end up with you know obviously the block punt and if you watch the replay that 
snapper just gets destroyed like that I, don't, I mean maybe the footing got messed up I don't know exactly but he, I mean he's like getting moved back five yards it seems like within a half second and it's like this can't this isn't going to end up well and then obviously capped off not that it would have mattered no it's really hard to block kicks although San Francisco got it done uh capped off by the as you know the meme uh, but not even just a meme just a picture of the field with the Packers only 10 guys on the field on the game winning field goal yeah. from San Francisco just as like a perfect cherry on top of the special teams disaster that doomed the Packers but really they can blame their offense because uh, their defense played great their de- defense and rightfully so Aaron Rodgers has been given um, a little bit of cut a little bit of a break because of how many points his defenses have given up I think it's something like 26 points uh, per game in his playoff career whatever some number at least in the losses Um, and that's fair but in this game he gets you know arguably the best defensive performance he's had from them outside of maybe like the NFC title game against the Bears uh, when they won their one Super Bowl with with Aaron back in 2010. Like, other than that, I can't remember a, a playoff game where their defense was this dominant. Yes, the Niners helped them out by dropping passes. I don't know whether to be more uh, impressed with the Niners or less because of how they, you know, the fact that they win given what their offense did. Does this mean that just a little, a few more things go right and they're really going to blow up and uh, be the team that before the season is a reason that I almost picked them to win the West over the Rams and now we get this <laughs> NFC well we'll get to the Rams in a sec but an NFC West uh, round three uh, two teams from this division that are you know arguably the best in the in the whole NFL and I think it kind of played out by the end of it with three teams in and now two here but man it the Niners defense was yeah it's you know to uh, at the flip side about the Packers like they they score first. Right? They have a great drive there, um, and they just didn't did not adjust. But it wasn't just that. There's some plays. Uh, Kurt Warner does a really good job on his YouTube channel of breaking down like the film, especially from a quarterback's point of view. Obviously, being a Hall of Famer, and just how he sees the game. And uh, I was watching those this morning, and just a breakdown mostly of the Packers on offense, and just the number of plays that yes, the the Niners had some good scheme things and were able to use leverage to to make uh, the whole shots kind of. Uh, that the Packers like to take, uh, especially to Devontae, to kind of plug those up. There were guys open, um, and I know that their offensive line held up okay. Still, the Niners' defensive line has been fantastic and played great, but there were some just misses. The big one everyone points out is the last drive that the Packers had the ball where Lazard's open on the dig, and he throws the deep, uh, almost like a punt, uh, to make sure they didn't have to punt again with their own punter that gets knocked down, and that's one play. But there's other ones where they're getting like 10, 11 yards, but there's, he had options down the field for big chunk plays that he just wasn't taking that he usually does. So that's part of it. Um, yeah, it's just – I man, I so, feel so bad for Packer fans because it's just been – a decade of these kind of games but finally i mean they probably felt like this was the year because they had this defense that it really rose up to the occasion and was not letting the niners run all over them until that last drive in the devo samuel play funny thing about that uh kyle shanahan said that initially they had a pass play called he called a timeout and then ultimately decided that uh not to risk it they were going to run it because they felt like with the packers having no timeouts left he didn't want there to be an incomplete pass and give Aaron the ball back with a minute. So he thought, uh, let's just run it. If we get it, that's great. If not, we can run the clock down anyway. And that's what they did. But Debo's Debo. And, man, Debo, all these guys. I mean, Trent Williams is limping off the field. Debo limped off after that last run. All sorts of – I mean, we looked at Fred Warner. Thought he was going to be out for the year with how bad his injury looked against the Cowboys. He comes in with the first uh, forced fumble. I mean, just the number of stars that – 
made plays. Bosa was dominant all night, setting the edge at a ridiculous rate where guys, he's running down guys that are way smaller than him, way faster than him, and you'd think, but man, just a monster. Everyone came to play for the Niners, and they're, they're a scary team, uh, as I know well as a Rams fan, but just in general, uh, there's a reason that once they snuck into the, the playoffs, not so much snuck in, but you know, given how they almost uh, were going to be eliminated in Week 18, man, I bet a lot of teams in the NFC were really wishing that the, the Rams had held on in that game. Probably the Cowboys and Packer fans, they yeah. wouldn't have to worry about facing them. And now here they are, still playing for uh, to go to the Super Bowl and don't have to leave California at this point. Yeah, um, you got what you wanted. Uh, Niners beat the Packers thirteen to ten. Rams beat the Bucks thirty to twenty seven, and. Yeah, the Rams, I mean, they – look, <laughs> I, I know a lot of the talk and is going to be just about how the game played out. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, when it was um, – you know, when it got to the point where I'm just looking up, I'm like, all right, this game is – this game's over. It's 27-3, to 3, five minutes left or so, whatever, four or five minutes mm-hmm. left in the third quarter, and I'm just thinking, I know Tom Brady's had some comebacks, but this ain't one of them. Um, because you just, you know, I was just watching how the Bucks play, and I'm just like, this team just does not have it. Like, it just is not happening. And man, if I, <laughs> if I don't walk away for like 15 minutes from the TV, and all of a sudden I come back, and it's like, all right, well, hold on a second, it's 27 13. And even as there's like five minutes left in the game, I'm like, okay, it's 27 13. There's no possible way <laughs> that the Bucks are going to be able to tie this game. It's just, there's no way it can happen. I, and it's funny because I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's no chance. But, you know, as they get the ball back, I'm like, all right, well, hold on a second. Like, he got the ball, three, whatever, four minutes, whatever it was, and, um, you know, they score that touchdown. And then at that point, I'm thinking, they're going to tie this thing. Like, you know, there's <laughs> even at three minutes, I'm like, all right, they're going to tie it now. Like, there's no no doubt about it. And, of course, they do. Um, but, you know, that's where – I mean, let's face it. I know a lot of the talk, and you know, early on, it's the first time this year this ran, or this Bucks defense had been together. This this expected group that was going to start, but man, they just they did not play well um, here. And, and I thought that they just, I mean, you know, you can look at certainly the the coverage on some of those plays, whether it's you know, really, I mean, it's take your pick of the Cooper Cup plays. I mean, he just, you know, just the way he was able to to get open on a couple of those plays that just changed the entire game. Of course, the one in the second quarter goes for 70 and then the big one yeah. uh you know at the end to, to kick the field goal but i mean hey you'll take them how you can get them but i can't i can't imagine being a bucks or rams fan for this one because it's like the bucks just were i mean they were just bad for a large portion of this game uh but then you know it's like when tom brady's on the field i don't care who it is there's just there's some kind of magic there and you know it's gonna he's gonna make it interesting but you know, I mean, look, I thought it was I thought it was fitting how the game ended because there were just too many opportunities that this Bucks defense gave to the Rams and uh, especially Cooper Cup on those big plays. Yeah, I, I've got a little comfortable with my picks. You mentioned, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> me going over for four, but it got a little just uh, taking the easy way out instead of looking at the kind of things that the like we talked about just now with the Niner Packer game. Some of the issues we saw with Green Bay in the matchup. This is a matchup that, as I mentioned on the last episode during the predictions, like. Uh, the Rams match up very well with Tampa. Their schemes, uh, the team that loves the blitz, Stafford and the Rams offense, the best team passing the ball against the blitz in the entire league, and you see that on that final play. But throughout the game, I mean, just uh, the personnel-wise, they were able to, and even not just against uh, where Tristan Wurst was out against the poor Josh Wells, but against the whole line, uh, the Rams' defensive front was dominating and making it really tough for Brady. I mean, 
uh, what made it so frustrating, and it, but it's also encouraging for looking forward for the Rams, is that this wasn't like they uh, made like a couple mistakes and the Niners were so, or the, uh, the Bucks were suddenly back in it. Like they made a ton of mistakes and they still were able to hold Tampa most of the time. Like they they had the a uh, couple of the fumbles, uh, you know, there's so many, it's hard to even keep track of exactly when they happen, but especially the one right after Von Miller's strip sack when they snap the ball over Stafford's head. The Bucks don't score there, and then they don't score again. They have two times where they turn the ball over and down. It's a, a really lucky play with a rule that I thought might be the case, but probably should be changed in terms of uh, letting def- uh, players just smack guys in the helmet after the after the ball's on the ground. Well, we're we're going to get thing. to some rule changes in a minute. Yeah, just wait. <laughs> exactly. Um, but... Like out, you know, they still made stops. The defense for the Rams really stepped up when the offense started just completely falling apart. And uh, not a lot of teams could lose four fumbles, and even with that big a lead, still hold on against Tom Brady. And that's a credit to what the defense did. I know they gave up those last two touchdowns in the last couple seconds with Ramsey getting beat in particular, a really bad one. As you're trying to just force them to at least score after the two minute warning, so you can knee the clock out. Um, but overall, the defense for the Rams had an freaking amazing game and uh they really saved them and yeah the offense for the large portion of the game looked great and outside of the kind of fluky plays that you uh, this is the encouraging part you feel like you should be able to clean those kind of things up otherwise they looked fantastic in particular Stafford he didn't really have any you know he almost threw a pick at the beginning of the game in the end zone but outside of that he was on point the entire time there weren't really a lot of plays where you could say that he was the issue he was stepping up in the pocket he the pre, you know the protection was great Joe Noteboom filled in as he has really well all season depending on which tackles have been out if it's Whitworth if it's it's Havenstein and yeah those I couldn't be more impressed with them and even despite his two fumbles at times Cam Akers made some really big plays and some big conversions but yeah you can't they're just so lucky because they outplayed the the, the Bucks, um, but still, you, you can't usually get away with those big of mistakes. And to do it, I mean, just an absolute superhero effort from Stafford and, and Cup on that last drive. Um, the, the little bit of they talked after the game, Cup a bit about just something on the first play, the twenty twenty ish yard um, out route that he catches. They, they notice a little bit of something with how the Bucks were aligned in terms of the leverage that he could get of them being with no timeouts for the Rams. Really, them assuming they were just going to keep running out routes and. Sure enough, Cooper runs right by him, gets the inside leverage in there, and Stafford puts the perfect throw on the mark. Uh, Plenty of people pointing out, obviously, he hasn't played in the divisional round in his entire career, but his 43rd game-winning drive of his career, which no player has more since 2009. Obviously, the Lions' defense is a big reason for that. Put him in some really tough spots that he's had to dig out of, but... Yeah, uh, he really showed up, and for anyone that in the last, like, especially when they're having those uh, some of those losses, and people were saying, "What is the real difference?" And even down the stretch in their winning games, and Stafford's throwing more picks. What is the difference between Jared Goff? And no offense to Jared Goff, what is the difference between those two, between Stafford and him? And it's like, man, it's like you gotta look a little further at the game. Like the, the amount of second, third reads plays he was making, the decisiveness of throws to the second and third windows down the field. I mean, he he was everything you could have hoped for um, in this game, and now they're somehow <laughs> hosting, despite being the four seed, only the second four seed, along yeah. with the 2008 Cardinals to host a uh, NFC title game. It's it's nutty. It's got a got a much tougher matchup. I don't think, uh, unlike the last one where they schematically had the advantage on the Bucks, I don't think you can say that with the Niners. But uh, still, you you want to trade it given where at certain points this team looked like it was going to be. Now they're in the title game for the first time in a few years. It's pretty pretty nuts and for the bucks obviously a lot of the conversation now is about what brady's gonna do and my initial reaction was there's no way he's gonna go out like this but 
uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, you know, it's been five, it's been like five, six years of people being like, is this the time? And it's like, I, I'm not going to believe it till he actually does. And even then I'm going to wait till week one, maybe week, even week five of that next season to make sure he doesn't come back. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, that's obviously going to be a dominant thing, uh, narrative throughout the whole offseason, along with Aaron Rodgers. It's kind of crazy also. What's the other – it was like first time since 2009 that neither of those quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, mostly Tom Brady, but neither of them were playing on championship weekend. It's yeah. a whole different thing. And the, the two quarterbacks in the, in the last game are uh, kind of ushering in a, a new era of, of uh, going to be probably the most prominent uh, matchup in the league for years to come. Yeah, an off season with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady decisions. Um, what a what an off season uh, that could be. With uh, that, that could certainly impact a lot in terms of the quarterback carousel. Because remember, we've got uh, Ben Roethlisberger retiring. There's a lot that it could look very different from a quarterback standpoint for a lot of these teams next season. So uh, could be huge. Uh, we will see though. But all right, let's get to the game of the weekend. All those games decided by three points, and yet they were not the game of the weekend. Uh, this was the one, and you and I said it. I mean, going in, it felt like a – I mean, let's face it. Like, it felt like an AFC Championship game, but if you take the divisions away, like, this felt like a Super Bowl. Like, these were – you could have, I think, made the argument that these were two of the three best teams in the league, perhaps. Um, I honestly would not have – I would have not have argued with anyone who, who felt that way. Just We've talked about the Bills. I mean, they have been very impressive at times, and yeah. – you know, I don't even know where you start <laughs> with this game. I mean, it's like this was just – I mean, it's funny because I feel like not too long ago we brought up that Chiefs-Rams game, which, by the way, we can now get the Super Bowl. Um, you know, just the craziness of the back and forth of that game. But, like, this game was just pure insanity. Like, I don't even know, again, where you even start with this. Um, I mean, you mentioned a second ago, like, if you look at the future of the quarterback position with some of these guys we've talked about, I mean, my goodness. Um, I, I just let, – let's point out the obvious first. There's absolutely no reason Josh Allen should not get the ball in overtime. First of all, <laughs> let's just – let's start there because that is the most obvious point you can make. There's absolutely no reason this overtime rule should exist. It's one of the dumbest rules in sports. I even went as far to call it the dumbest rule in sports. Um, it makes no sense that you have a coin toss that's going to basically determine the game, especially when, by the way, the team winning the coin toss has Patrick Mahomes. Um, So that's an issue for starters. Now, I think the real – and I I hate going to the negative first here, Dylan, because this was just a phenomenal game on every level. Uh, And we're going to talk about Gabriel Davis and all that in a second. But I just can't help but think how different the final 15 seconds of this game is if the Bills just kick the ball down the middle of the field and let that sucker bounce about 10 times into somebody's hand and just take at least, like, take three seconds off the clock. Like, because it's 13 seconds. If you take three seconds off the clock, I just think that that dramatically changes this whole scenario here uh, in terms of how many plays you give Patrick Mahomes. Now, give Harrison Bucker credit. He has to make that kick no matter what. But... I just, I just didn't understand it, man. I th- no, <laughs> that's just th- thir- thirteen seconds. That's three plays. Like you know, in my head, I'm thinking, all right, that's three. But if that thing is ten seconds, eight seconds, that's not three plays. Like that's two plays at most, and that's it. Um, I just, ah, uh, that was just one that I just did not understand. As soon as that kick went up, like you heard it, I guess it was Romo. Like mm-hmm. it was just like immediately, you're like, what are they? Hold on a second. Like why are you not kicking it? Uh, that's got to be one of those decisions you're going to think back and be like, oh, why did we do that? 
Yeah, Tony was saying it before before I was kicked, and then it's just like, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. And you know, live, you're thinking the same thing. It's, it's crazy to think 13 seconds. It should be fine, <laughs> and it still should have been fine. Um, I think that maybe the Bills got a little spooked by the by the, the touchdown by Tyreek Hill. Uh, just a couple of plays before. Yeah. So they had, I think on the first play that Tyreek got the first uh, uh, 20 yards or whatever it was, they had two guys that you couldn't even, they had a pretty wide angle on CBS, and there were still two guys on the defense that were so far back you yeah. couldn't even see them. Uh, they had like basically a shell around like 15 yards, and all it took was, to, you know, he catches the ball only like six yards on the field and sprints with two blockers in front of him to get there. It's just too easy. Like, I, I know that you're, again, I, I think it has to be there. Got a little scared of how that play developed for Tyreek just ran away from everyone. Um, maybe uh, that's why they were playing that defense. But you got to just play a little more straight up, man. Like, I, <laughs> if they're going to make a play down the field and get 20 yards, it has to be a longer developing play. You can't let them just throw the ball immediately and run straight. And that's basically what happened twice in a row. Um, the inside leverage that, um, on the last one that you know, it's just I know you're defending the bound like there's no reason to defend the boundary they had two timeouts like it, it was I, none of it really made sense there and it was just frustrating because yeah that, and it's you know you feel for Bills fans and for what they were able to do and how they built this whole roster to beat the Chiefs and they had the roster in place and we saw what they did the first time they played each other and obviously the Chiefs are in a better spot but they lose Tyron Matthew and uh, there was even parts earlier in the game where you you know I wish they'd been playing at their full form for most of the the first half they were basically like fighters just kind of feeling each other out they each score touchdowns but they take a long time on those drives because they're kind of you know trying to wear down the other team a little conservative with the, even the bills play calling almost cost themselves on that the the, the first of the two uh or i guess it would have been his third and fourth touchdowns for gabriel davis um where the, you know they got a little too conservative and got themselves in that four, fourth and 13 hole before gabriel runs that ridiculous route buries the defender deep into the ground and is wide open for a touchdown that only just started off the whole madness but um yeah just some things from the bills where you know they weren't playing scared for a lot of the game they were going for it on fourth down so those things were great those are things that you know last year sean mcdermott was criticized for in the afc title game that they definitely put their trust in josh and he made the most of it all day and he played just about as perfect of a game and that yeah they were i, I would say they're probably the two best teams left at the, going into this weekend now looking back at it um i'd say the bills probably were still maybe the best team because yes the chiefs defense improved throughout the year but this is the number one defense dvoa wise top whatever in, in total yards and more traditional stats like the bills had this defense in place and their offense hadn't for a large portion of the season really played to what it did last year and then suddenly the last few weeks of the regular season and these two weeks of the playoffs Josh took his game beyond even what he did last year. And it was like, all right, you combine this with the defense. We saw the result last week. And, it, it, you know, on the flip side, the reason they end up losing is just because you have another monster in, in Patrick Mahomes who, just just to remind everyone, he's still there. And that, you know, for all the things we, we talk about, Joe Burrow and um, Josh Allen, all these really exciting young quarterbacks we get excited in the draft. We're still impressed with everything that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady do as they are probably going to be finished 1-2 in MVP voting. And it's like... Maybe we still, uh, not necessarily us, but some fans lose sight of just how freaking great Patrick Mahomes is, and he was just <laughs> not going to take no for an answer either. He, I know the last drive is one thing that could have been prevented, but before that, I mean, he made some ridiculous throws, some ridiculous plays, looked like sacks constantly. There's a reason the Bills' defense was exhausted by the end of the game. He played arguably 
uh, his best game of his career I'd, uh, from start to finish, I'd say. Maybe right there with when they – again, it wouldn't be start to finish because all the turnovers he had in that Rams-Chiefs uh, classic that you mentioned, um, yeah. when they almost come back to beat the Patriots in the AFC title game his first year starting, like they didn't score in the first half. He wasn't pretty there. They, in the Super Bowl, they win. He didn't have a perfect game. Like they had to come back. Like it was just start to finish – incredible stuff from him they you know they're in a more comfortable spot if Harrison Bucker doesn't miss an extra point and makes a, a field goal at the end of the end of the half so really I you know I both quarterbacks are on the same level but it's I think the Chiefs still at the end of the day played a bit better despite being down threes by three points at 13 seconds left just the kicking game kind of let them down it was pretty even otherwise um i just uh, you know overall the biggest takeaway is i'm so excited to watch both these guys for years to come that doesn't comfort bills fans because we always say they'll be back we said that about aaron Rodgers for years and they hasn't been back to a super bowl and yeah. um it's you take for you can't take for granted these moments in time where you have this great roster build that it's hard to maintain that kind of defensive play we uh all the time and for the chiefs that the same thing can be said but they've already got that super bowl in their back pocket you know they've already got one win in the tank and um man but i i just still i think these two teams i think both guys are going to end up with some more hardware and some more rings uh for patrick and at least a ring at some point for josh which uh, you got to feel thrilled still as a bills fan to have that guy as your quarterback because man he played out of his mind you mentioned the overtime thing and I read the I think it was the article was written after the and it's funny you know it comes full circle here with the Chiefs being the team that after the 2018-19 season were the ones uh, that made the proposal yep. for the overtime rules to change because Patrick didn't touch the the ball in that <laughs> overtime in that AFC or that AFC title game that same weekend I was mentioning one of the best weekends <laughs> yep. that I can remember for football and uh, our days at least and sure enough it was still that overtime ends up kind of coming into play and yeah I, the, the old article it was from the ringer and they went through a bunch of different ideas for how to alter it uh, a lot of ideas that i didn't love and i one that was a bit better where it was just basically almost like uh they compared it a bit to baseball it's kind of like the first team gets the ball here's the top of the inning you get you get this you don't score you score a touchdown field goal whatever the other team gets a chance to match or if they don't they lose um and you just keep going i don't know how the uh league would love or the players association would love that for safety issues and the league in yeah. general so uh it's it's a tough sport to have an overtime rule for i don't know if i if you know, people say to go to the college rule i don't know if i love that idea either i don't know if alternating two-point conversions after x amount of time is the best way and not letting it making a team drive down the field there's still something to that last even with the bills defense exhausted still something to watching a team drive for the game winning touchdown that is meaningful but it, it, it stings for the bills uh, and the chiefs know that sting very well and their fans do so they, they shouldn't feel bad but at the same time they should still uh, know that it's not a uh, something that yeah, I, I still think oh, there's a lot plenty of chiefs fans that can acknowledge yes that this rule should change as well um just unfortunate like you're saying i the, my favorite scenario in overtime in the playoffs or any time is seeing the first team uh kick a field goal and then the other team gets the ball it's like that works out great because <laughs> now yeah. we can at least kind of see some uh but you can't control that obviously and i know that the percentages have improved of the teams winning the toss uh it's, it's a much lower number than before when it was the ridiculous rule of just being able to get you know go 30 yards 40 yards get a field goal and win um i think that used to be 60 percent of coin toss winners in overtime one now it's something like 52.7 percent if i remember exactly what yeah. the number so it's improved i do agree it should change but trying to find the right answer that's the next question that i, I had a little bit of a hard time last night trying to to tackle <laughs> yeah it's i don't think there's a perfect answer i mean i, I think about it i'm like what if you just do 10 minute overtime play the 10 minutes yeah. 
as is. And you know what? If it's still tied, then go to the two point conversions. I'm fine with that because it's like you know I understand. Like you don't want it. You can't just keep playing ten minute quarters. Right? Mm-hmm. You just have to. You have to stop at a certain point. So after that first ten minutes, play the ten minutes out, and whoever wins wins. And if they don't, then I think you just okay. Then at that point, it's like we didn't want to have to get to the two point conversions, but we also don't want to have these players out here, you know, doing this for another yeah. hour. So it's like just play the two point conversions, much less chance of injury, those kind of things. Um, and then you just play it out until someone wins. I don't think that's a bad idea. I'm not sure, again, what the ultimate solution is going to be with that. I mean, I just think it's like it's just one of those things where. I think some decisions have to be made on it and it's yeah. just a matter of trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's just, like I said, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about this game and like Gabriel Davis going for four touchdowns, 200 yards, 201 yards receiving. Yeah. And it's like, they lose. And quite honestly, like we're not going to forget it, but you know, it is one of those things where it's like, you're going to remember more of the winning team here. And it's like for that kind of performance to be forgotten. I hope that's not the case, but um, because he just, you talk about just completely (laughs) dominating the defense. Like I don't, I don't remember who the guy was that essentially had his ankles broke on that, that one at the end. Oh, I'm forgetting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was just like, uh, that's just not one you want to have. But um, I mean, God, Gabriel David, he just did whatever he wanted against this team, and it was just remarkable. Yeah, they give a lot of attention to Stefan Diggs. I know a lot made of him only having three catches for seven yards, and that, that's part of it. But that definitely opened up some things for, for Davis. And I, I, even before the season, like he's a guy that you'd, if you listen to enough fantasy podcasts and read fantasy articles, they're like, this guy should be used way more. And then you watch yeah. what he can do, and he's definitely making himself some money. And obviously, already was becoming a really big part of this team before this game. But he, yeah. Had a ridiculous, ridiculous performance. He finished, I think, with PFF's highest grade of this game too. Um, just fantastic stuff. And yeah, that poor DB. I'm forgetting the name. Not to, maybe that's a good thing for him. No. But uh, <laughs> that was just, it just left him in the ground. But every, there were some other errors in the the secondary for. The Chiefs in this game, as you mentioned, yeah, just Josh Allen was so. I don't think people. I hope people wouldn't forget this. Uh, there's a, you know, in the modern day with how the with YouTube and the highlights, people can keep watching for years and stuff. I I hope that people don't forget this game and just how both quarterbacks uh, had uh, ridiculous uh, performances. Ruben Frank from NBC, uh, NBC Sports, uh, he covers the Eagles, he tweeted out a stat. There have been two uh, postseason performances in NFL history where QB passes for 325-plus yards, throws at least three touchdowns, has no picks, and rushes for 60-plus yards. And it was both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in this game. Yep. <laughs> so it just shows like these guys were – uh, on a different level like i said i wish they kind of played it at the their fullest potential for the whole game um you see that even the last like few minutes of the first half it was rapid fire uh, and you see what they're capable of if they're really letting everything loose um and the bills maybe they waited a bit too long they get it takes one 75 yard bomb probably the best throw of the game by either quarterback uh the josh allen touchdown to gabriel davis from you know to make it into a two score game or, or sorry two point game at the time i mean like gosh from that moment on and it really went crazy and the amount of different plays that it's not like you can look at one play or one turning point kind of like you can maybe in the in some of these other games uh like i said the pick in the cincinnati game the obviously the block punt and then even the rams game you could have had a that's another game where you couldn't really give a number of different little things that could have gone differently this one it's hard to even keep track of everything that happened because it just went to a point where it was just constant 
big plays in it. Uh, I just hope we get to see these two teams uh, battle it out again in the postseason. I know they'll probably be playing each other almost every year. As long as they keep finishing first in their divisions, they'll automatically have a, a game every season. And, um, yeah, it's it's something that, I, you know, we, we kind of joked last week that this felt a little like it should have been the AFC title game. I'm sure the Bengals have something to say about that. They had just beat the Chiefs a few weeks ago. But yeah. um, it felt like something – it did not feel like your normal – divisional round game which already has a ton on the line it felt like something else yep and chiefs bills rematch arrowhead next season so it'll happen again at least once we know um i think that's what they said on the broadcast so Will they ever be in uh, buffalo <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like are they ever gonna play a game in buffalo i'm not sure but uh, yeah i think ultimately it's like you did come out of the divisional round with the four games you expected or the the the, the winners that you expected but I still think that any way you look at it, there are some very interesting storylines no matter who the Super Bowl is. Like, you know, you've got, and we'll talk more about this in our next episode, but Mm -hmm. like you've got, I mean, Chiefs-Rams, I don't think anyone has any question. I think that's the most appealing probably to most people just based on those two teams in particular. I think that's probably the biggest appeal because, again, (laughs) how crazy would it be for the Chiefs to have to play on the road in the Super Bowl two straight seasons? That would just be absolute insanity. (laughs) Um, But... Also, it's like, okay, you get Chiefs 49ers, the rematch, right? A couple of years yep. ago. So you get the rematch to that. You've got the revenge factor there. Or, you know, you can get Bengals 49ers. We know the history. Um, what is it, 40 years, I guess, at this point? Uh, we're talking about the Super Bowl oh, man. Uh, between those two. So yeah. there's a there's a big storyline. And then it's like if you get Bengals Rams, well, again, like, you know, you've got Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl on the road going up against the Rams. Like, it's just, I think any way you look at it, man, and I know, Dylan, your your <laughs> preference is going to have the Rams in there somewhere, but yeah. um, I think any way you look at it, like there there are some potential matchups here, even if it wasn't the ones we expected with the Packers or the Bucks being in there or any of that, it's like you've still got some pretty pretty interesting storylines for any of the potential Super Bowl matchups. Yeah, all of them should be a lot of fun regardless of what it is. San Francisco, Cincinnati, I mean, you know, it's the one that, according to Football Outsiders, and it makes sense, both the road teams, lower seeds, that has the least chance of happening, only 7.3% according to their model. But, yeah, uh, that would be – we just watched those teams play not that many uh, weeks uh, back into the regular season, and it was a really great game. Cincinnati, that was kind of the game where finally Zach Taylor gave the reins to Joe Burrow and stopped – it got stopped being so conservative on early downs and we saw how Joe Burrow just lit up the Ravens and some of the teams and the uh, some uh, forget exactly all the all the opponents I guess the Chiefs too uh, down the stretch of the season so that was a really big game he's had a couple well, last second drives the force overtime there that's a game where they could Cincinnati could have won with a touchdown they end up selling for a field goal and San Francisco wins obviously huge to San Francisco still being here uh, yeah teams that met twice in the Super Bowl right Super Bowl 16 and 23 and yep. especially the second time was one of the Bengals were up in the 90 yard drive by Joe Montana the last game Bill Walsh coached it's and obviously he coached for a long time in Cincinnati too so uh that would be a lot of fun I think I think of the not to be and maybe this isn't like fair to the Chiefs and Niners but that's probably just because we saw it two years ago it's very different teams right. but the one yeah. I am least hoping happens um obviously as a Rams fan <laughs> that's that goes <laughs> yes. without saying but just like 
uh, it would be a lot of fun still um, to see if San Francisco could get their revenge and for to see uh, Mahomes try to take them down again, which would be great for for all the Rams supporters if, if uh, you know Mahomes would have a soft spot in our hearts if he did that again. But on the flip side, um, the other two, uh, yeah, fifty point nine percent chance according to Football Outsiders of us seeing the Rams Chiefs, uh, very different Rams team than twenty eighteen. Almost you know from the coaching staff to the personnel, there are some obviously faces that were still in that game but it's something that people probably don't remember is that cooper cup was injured by then um i believe yep. right I, I think he didn't i'm pretty sure josh reynolds was pretty pretty big part of that game uh with brandon cooks and robert wood so uh some guys like that obviously jalen ramsey wasn't on the Rams yet uh von miller all these guys they just got so Joe beckham yeah it's like think about the star and then again this is not a knock on the other teams but it's like you know you think about you got patrick mahomes tyree kill odell beckham cooper cup like it's mm-hmm. just like oh Man, like that's um, that's very interesting. But like we said, you can say the same thing with Burrow, Jamar Chase, um, yep. that 49ers defense. It's like, yeah, I man, any way you look at it, I think it's going to be great. So yeah, really excited. Definitely, um, however, no matter how it shakes out, I'll be excited. But really hoping the the Rams can get some revenge. Otherwise, <laughs> seven seven straight losses to the Niners, including letting them beat you at home and then playing mm-hmm. a Super Bowl in your stadium it's uh definitely a lot of pressure on the rams next weekend but we'll yeah i'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that on wednesday how wild that would be for a team to play the super bowl at home two straight years (laughs) after all that time without it so we'll see if that's the case but we'll break down those matchups in the next episode but of course still have it all covered over clutch points reaction to the divisional round looking ahead to the championship games uh let everybody know where they can find all that yeah everything anything aaron Rodgers related any little update about him tom brady all the takeaways from these games you can find in clutchpoints.com in the nfl section at the top of the page in our in our clutch points app in the nfl section there are all the same articles and all the all the coverage is there you can follow the games in the app um tons of stuff with the coaching searches uh, teams narrowing down their candidates finally it's been i kind of like having it drawn out a bit more compared to some previous yeah. years where guys get hired kind of quickly it's 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 nice so yeah it should be a lot of good stuff even as the offseason does ultimately come up so many storylines man with the fact that we don't know for sure if tom brady will be playing next year where aaron Rodgers will be playing again like it's it's going to be an interesting offseason a lot of quarterback questions guys that could be traded who knows about you know some of the coaches coaching staffs how that could impact where quarterbacks go it's uh we'll get we'll have it all covered in clutch points in the nfl section so please uh stay tuned and well, I'm sure we'll be talking about it a lot more. Uh, I always enjoy all the prediction episodes, all these takeaways, but it'll be fun to dive into more of the storylines again of the offseason. Always a good time as well. Yep, lots of stuff. Uh, so check it out at Clutch Points, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use. Search for Establish the Pass, and uh, thanks as always for listening to the podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. You're on the Establish the Pass podcast.